Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA. Allow me to introduce today's guest. For the first time ever, I have three guests, not one, to interview today. So everybody, welcome to a special format, Inspiring People in Places episode. Uh, before I jump into the topic, I want to uh, get my own imposter syndrome out since it was the the uh, start of our conversation was about imposter syndrome. I've never done a three-interview podcast. So this could be short, this could be long, this could be screwed up, but I think the content is going to be rich. Uh, our guests are subject matter experts in all things related to teaming. And our guest just came off the Sammy Small Business Conference speaking circuit, uh, where they were a panel talking about matchmaking and winning partnerships. So instead of me introducing everybody, I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves, give a little background, and then we will jump into the content. So Jillian, who has been on the, on the show before, Jillian Breeden, why don't you start us off? Excellent. Um, yeah. So I'm Jillian Breeden. I am the president and founder of Engage Federal, and I it's a small business in the D.C. area. And we really serve as a specialty subconsultant doing pre-designed services with planning and programming. And really, I dig DD Form 1391s. So the DOD is my main client. Jillian is a self-proclaimed 1391 nerd. Jillian, before we jump to April, what is a 1391 for our non-federal partners out there? Oh, I could talk forever. Um, so the quick answer is the DD Form 1391 is the document that goes to justify a project and request money from Congress. So it's for um, major renovation projects or military construction projects. Awesome summary. All right, April, you're next. Thank you. I'm April Sweet. Uh, I am business development manager for O'Connor Construction Management, uh, also known as OCMI. We are a service-disabled, veteran-owned small business. We provide cost estimating, scheduling, and construction management services. Um, major clients are the VA and the DOD, um, amongst others. We have 10 offices across the country, and uh, I've been with OCMI for uh, going on three years now. Awesome, April. So great to see you. And Steph, you're last. Yeah, so I'm Steph Heibel. I am a federal business development manager for RLF. I've been in the AE industry for over 15 years now and been a part of everything from developing the opportunity to finding the teaming partners to putting the proposal together and then also um, coaching interviews as well. So, Awesome. Uh, well, ladies, I'm excited to dive in. I am so sad I didn't get to see the presentation in person. Uh, but the idea for this podcast came about, I guess, six weeks ago, maybe two months ago, when I first saw Jillian uh, had posted a survey uh, about matchmaking and winning partnerships. And then I found out that she was uh, she was going to be on a panel talking about this. So I'm excited to hear what came of the survey, how the uh, presentation went, what you all learned. But start us off, April, with where did the idea for this panel come from? Thank you. So I've known Jillian for some time now. So anytime I see her at a conference, we're always hanging out. 
Stephanie, her and I. On the I, dance floor, we, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, and wine but, and chocolate, usually. <laughs> and in the meantime, over the last few years, I've been talking to Stephanie. Uh, we usually spend some time uh, commiserating on SF330s. And so when it came time for Jetsy this spring, um, I was on the hunt. She told me that she would be in a pink jacket. Um, so I, I made the joke, you know, similar to a pink carnation uh, when you're trying to track down somebody. Uh, so I was on the hunt in Colorado to find her. Um, eventually, it was later in the evening where I got to spend some time with her and Jody. Um, and uh, as all things happen at Sammy and Jetsy, everybody kind of just hangs out. We're having a good time. And in comes Jillian. Um, we, we did talk shop. It, I don't know what time it was. It must have been 11, or 11 p.m. But uh, we were chatting about pet peeves and what happens. And, and one of the things, one of the bigger topics we talked about was, you know, do you talk to your entire team when you get an interview? And we'll get to that later. Uh, but we started to really challenge each other. We all, you know, have different perspectives as large businesses, small businesses, um, and it was an interesting conversation. Uh, Steph and I had already always nibbled around possibly putting something together, and Jillian seemed to be that last and final ingredient. So um, magic happened there at Jetsy in Denver, and we kept the conversation going and uh, put together a really great prospectus and, and got accepted. So without me dictating through questions, I'm kind of open to how we how we break down the presentation, but my first starting question is for all three of you or or any of you to take, what was the most shocking result of your survey? When we looked at what makes a new partner attractive, I think for me, um, I come from a marketing background where you know marketing and proposal materials and having a glossy, uh, binder of stuff is always so important. Um, and we really found that the, the there were a couple of results that came in very clustered together, your, your alignment with the markets, specialty, and then just personality. And those came in so close and they were the top ranked ones. And then your you know, designation, which was another option, and your materials came in much lower. So for me, you know, it was kind of, it was eye-opening as you, you think about how much time you spent working on SOQs and, uh, <laughs> and materials. So um, that for me was, was a big surprise. What about you? Um, what about you, Jillian and Steph? For me, I think it wasn't necessarily shocking. It was reassuring, truthfully. What we anticipated was obviously for, you know, subs and primes, quality work is at the top, technical, you know, capability but not very far below that is personality and culture fit. And so for us, the, the thread throughout was the need to develop personal relationships, true friendships. You know, people want to work with who they like and who has an enthusiasm for their work. Right. Um, and so, you know, one of the takeaways that we resulted in is that as much as you're investing in your technical training, you should be investing in your, emotional intelligence and, you know, personality and insights and things like that. So that, that was, again, not shocking, but great to see uh, the actual data proved it. Yeah. Uh, not shocking to me at all. I mean, Jillian and I know each other because our personalities and our kind of core values align. And that's how we originally met. And then 
you stay in touch with people that you want to stay in touch with and that you get along with, and then eventually business comes of it. So uh, that is reassuring to hear. What else came of it or, or how would you like to, you know, kind of give us feedback of the, the nuggets? We will put your uh, slick handout here with the do's and don'ts uh, that, that everybody can click on. But uh, ladies, I, I give it to you to, to walk us through a bit of the presentation and the key takeaways. I think April starting yeah. off with the demographics of who the survey respondents were would be a great place. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in our presentation, we had a nice pie chart, but overwhelmingly, most of the respondents were business development and capture planners, which great feedback. But we did see a wonderful cross section. So we saw a little bit of everything um, from technical to ops and executives as well. So for us, as we were composing everything, um, we were really proud that we had some takeaways for everybody throughout. Um, but again, about 43% of the individuals who responded to us were in that, that BD capture role. Okay. Um, uh, ops and executives. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, sorry to interrupt. Uh, but I guess we haven't actually said how we determined. I mean, we just reached out to our contacts. Like that's all we did. LinkedIn and some e targeted emails um, to fulfill, I mean, to ask if they would what, take What was the total respond. number of respondents? 150. That's good. Yeah, we felt really good about it. Um, you know, I think uh, one of the lines, you know, it's not a statistically relevant Gallup poll, so that margin of error is not there. But for, you know, the the cross-section of who we wanted to reach out to, and, and we had a couple qualifying questions in there too. So we have networks that are much broader than just federal. Right. Um, so, you know, question two or three asks you about your NICS code and, and, and where you are in the federal space. And so naturally, a lot of people are going to drop off. So we do feel like we are confident that that 150 are people that understand the lingo, what we're doing. So, All right. So 150 people generally or mainly BD folks in the federal marketplace. Uh, first part of your presentation was really about the courting or the wooing phase. So talk to us about lessons learned and, and the do's and don'ts of, of dating. Yeah. Well, we asked individuals to tell us what they do to learn about a new partner. And overwhelmingly, as you're, you're skimming, you're checking out who's out there and available, uh, the website definitely was uh, the highest scoring. And then it was followed by other sort of data that's readily available on SAM or FPDS, mutual contacts, things like that. So we did, we did observe that people are paying attention and looking at your website. So it's good to have a, a strongly well-composed one with data and, and easily accessible information later on. And, and we'll get and to updated. Updated, and updated because yeah. like us small business folks, right, yeah. Jillian, we, we get a project and yeah. all of a sudden we have a new expertise or, yeah. a, or yeah. a new experience that we need to be yeah. talking about. Yeah. Uh, but That's good feedback. Later on down the line, though, you know, we we did find that it wasn't the the what maintains and nurtures that relationship. So uh, we had a nice little analogy during the presentation that it's kind of like your Tinder profile. It's going to tell you to to swipe left or to swipe right appropriately. So again, it's important to have that website, but it's not everything. That's that full, was full disclosure. I have never used Tinder. 
uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself and my my marriage. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know if right or left was good or bad. So I <laughs> and I acknowledged that during the the presentation. So so we did we did fine. People are going to websites, um, and then we you know we we were doing a little bit deeper dive, and and again we wanted to see what was attractive and. Uh, it, it was your markets, uh, your specialty, if it's unique. And then um, it, to Jillian's point, your, your uh, approach and your personality, those were key. And then the other stuff, you know, small business designation and your marketing materials weren't, they just didn't come in as highly ranked um, as the others. So um, after that, we we had a couple questions for our respondents where we said what makes most attractive or least attractive, the same responses were built in. Um, and we, we wanted to see how you made a connection and people said, you know, yes, it's good to have booklets and brochures tailored. That was kind of the big takeaway. Once you get past that Tinder stage or the swipe, right. I think, uh, you know, being, being very tailored and mindful in your approach with that information is going to help solidify that connection. Um, and other things like your website's not going to it's not going to do everything. Um, so we, we had a couple of responses in there, like um, like a big brochure booklet, not going to do it. It's not going to, that table, excuse me, your, uh, like your um, coffee table book with all your projects in it is not the option. So, um, And for the record, I mean, we put these questions in there. We, we purposely made it very specific. So it was like, what is the most and what is the least? Because we didn't want a bunch of gray area. We wanted people to have to actually choose. And so exactly what April's saying, those tailored quals and capability statements were by far indicated as the most useful. And the least useful were those brochures and booklets um, that so people just, and I, websites. I, I'm, I'm going off script here again. Um, the big question in the courting wooing phase is like, all right, I want to do business with these people, right? Like I'm vibing, good personality, definitely culture fit, similar to an employee, but like, Hey, I don't have a project yet, or we don't have a project to go after yet. So the, the hard part of a small business, I'll speak for myself is like, we're not, my business in particular, we're not deep in one area, right? We're pretty broad for a small business. So I can't say everything in my elevator pitch. And I can't really, until I understand your problem or the stuff you go after, I can't really start throwing things against the wall. Like, hey, we could probably do this together or that together or this together. So there's this whole like, you know, it, it call it an 18 month sales cycle or business development cycle when you're chasing things and you know we're at a conference we meet we're like we should do work together did we just become friends yeah and then it's like six months later nine months later an opportunity comes up and like i totally didn't ask you about this one little specialty in 1391s jillian i had no idea you were the world's leading expert in navy 1391s Holy cow. I wish I had known that we just submitted on this opportunity. So conversationally, experientially, anything in the survey or in the post post uh, conversations about that part of like the intentional cultivation and intentional teaming and pursuing of opportunities. 
It, we'll we'll go into a little more depth on it, but we did have questions about the life cycle and how long it does take. And we okay. looked at we asked you how long we you do you think it goes from initial, uh, you know, meet cute to actually getting some work together. So we we do have some results on that. And then, um, gosh, I had another point too. Uh, so that is, I feel like Jillian was going to say something. So I'll, I'll let her talk while I think about what my other point was. It was just going to be exactly what you said, BJ, of in-person meetings. Those meetings are, we asked what was the most successful way to build a new relationship and exactly what you mentioned with like, I'm at a conference, you're at a conference, we're talking, I like you, let's be friends, is exactly the the number one way. Um we also, in the same way, did most and least. And for this one, the least was e-blasts and holiday gifts. Um, they don't matter as much to build new relationships. It's not That's not how you're going to lure someone in to want to work with you. Lisa, um, cancel the wine and chocolate. Oh, <laughs> no, that's apology wine and chocolate. Only <laughs> if it's in person. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. We did track the most and least effective and overwhelmingly in person. And then those non-intentional sort of, we're going to send you a box of, or, you know, bucket of cookies. Those aren't the things that's going to solidify that relationship. Later on, I did, um, you know, just to your earlier point, um, we did also ask the cadence and how often you should be uh, reaching out to people. So, you know, if it is the conference, but if you're following up, what kind of frequency are you actually reaching out to people? We asked what's appropriate and we got some really good results there too. We can get to that. So, I mean, the, first of all, I need to put an asterisk. They are talking about the e-blast for every company except for MCFAs because MCFAs e-blast is the highest quality content you are getting in, <laughs> in the marketplace today, yeah. uh, written by yours truly. But I don't send that e-blast to cultivate a relationship, right? That's like trying to stay top of mind awareness. I agree a thousand percent that like where the rubber meets the road is at the individual personal connections despite, and, and I think the same goes on the federal business development or the federal procurement side, right? Like contracting departments, despite all of their effort to take relationship and personality out of the procurement process, you cannot possibly get away from like, People like doing business with people and trust doesn't happen between, you know, a big firm XYZ and, you know, Corps of Engineers District ABC, right? It happens between, oh, the director or the chief of construction and engineering and the director of federal business development. They went to school together or they, they worked on a project when they were junior engineers together, private sector, public sector, right? Like that's how reputations are built. Um, and that's, and you know, you, you, I don't care how big and bureaucratic our, our, uh, industry can be, you can't possibly take the relationship and the customization of, and tailoring of, you know, capabilities and qualifications to problems out of it. Uh, I'm so encouraged to hear all of that. So you would actually be encouraged. We actually had a USACE representative on our panel and he confirmed everything that we talked about. Um, you know, culture fit, um, you know, the red flag behaviors that I talked about, he goes, we see them. He's, I mean, and, and he goes, it's known. We, we know those things. We can't necessarily score on them, but we'll remember it for the next one. So that was actually probably the best part of their presentation was him confirming everything that we had found in the survey. 
Okay. So, so go, let's go to, uh, our red flags. So, you know, red flags, it's so easy to see them in other people's relationships, but like when it's your <laughs> own, for some reason, they're a lot harder to see. So this was one of the things that I started with my presentation of my idea of, you know, putting this together was just like, maybe they just don't know that they're doing this and that it's not good. So we pull people and the things that came out at top was one-sided approach where, you know, they use you or they decide, Hey, we want to go after this woman owned small business. Jillian, you're going to prime this now. And you're just going to hire some electrical guy and we're going to be good. Like that's not what people want. Like you don't decide what other people are going to do with their business or anything like that. Um, the other thing was exaggerated past performance and experience. Um, we had a lot of people talking about, you know, an example was a joint venture came together, Firm A, Firm B. Firm B said, oh, we have the perfect project to, you know, slide in and, and shore up your deficiency that you're having. And they agreed to do a joint venture. And, you know, Firm B neglected it was 12 years old. Now, all of you know, <laughs> that ain't never going to be able to be used in Section F. And they didn't have any other projects that, would shore up that deficiency. So, you know, by the time that that was figured out, the RFU was already out. They'd already made the joint venture. They had to submit together because it was too late in the game to go with anybody else. And they didn't even get shortlisted. So, you know, I'm going to say they got divorced pretty quickly. <laughs> and, you know, th those two firms probably aren't ever going to team again. But, you know, team B was like, well, you know, it's okay. We're already down the line. Like, we're, we can still win this. And so it's just the attitudes were two very different you know, sides of the ball of one team thought it was perfectly okay. The other team, you know, that kind of got, you know, duped was definitely not okay. We uh, should have a uh, Jerry Springer <laughs> episode of joint ventures that didn't last. Uh, you are not the partner. A lot more than you. Yeah. I think there's a lot of those. Well, and, and I want to keep this conversational. Like if you think about it, business development folks are out there being optimistic about like, Hey, and, and maybe they don't fully understand when that project was, maybe they're newer to the firm and like, they've oh, heard no, they about, do. They do. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm trying to defend the He's optimism just benefit of the doubt, <laughs> of, but, and, and also the due diligence of the joint venture, like, and I, let me go off on a tangent. Right now, the small business mentor protege stuff drives me insane because there's a lot of like very teensy tiny small businesses that are just being backed by big dog AE and it's it's a front. Call it whatever you want. It's it, I mean, it really – so that's not the intention or the spirit of the mentor protege program and – then you have these joint ventures that like everybody's like, oh, I, I have to have a joint venture to go after this. And they rush into partnerships and set up a bank account or a SAM, uh, beta SAM profile or, or what, what am I trying to think of? It is. It's SAM registration. And it's like, oh, what are we chasing together? What do you guys do? And, you know, again, where is the business due diligence in that? And some of it is, you know, an opportunity comes out out of nowhere and we were just at federal you know, SAME together, uh, small business. And it's like, oh, this seems like the perfect opportunity for us to team on. Um, so I, I get, I, I get why those things happen. Um, but I'm excited to hear, you know, the ways to avoid it. And, and especially teaming partners out there that are, that are contemplating these structures to really understand 
it is a marriage. Like it, it takes that much work to go into this relationship um, and takes that much honesty and communication and representing, you know, you do have three kids that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, so go on, Steph. Sorry, I jumped in. No. So, and exactly. Eric said that same thing in our presentation. He goes, when it's a small business set aside and we never see the small business, that's not what it's there for. And that's really disappointing because the goal would be for the large business to mentor that small business and help them grow. And again, so again, they might've won that one contract together under that mentor protege, but for the next one, they're going to know that they're just getting that large business. They're not getting that small business and that small business isn't going to grow like that program is meant to be. So it's good to hear from the federal government that they see that too. Um, the third thing for red flags was um, overly aggressive and pushy. And, you know, those are some people out there. I mean, I had an example of that at SMB, SBC. It's, you know, somebody who's overly pushy, thinks that they've totally got me wrapped around their finger and, you know, walked away from the meeting, probably thinking we're going to team on this next pursuit together. And we're not. So having that emotional intelligence, <laughs> so it goes back to that emotional intelligence. This guy had none of it. He totally didn't see that this was a very uncomfortable conversation. There's a lot of awkward silence um, and it didn't go well. So when you don't have that emotional intelligence and you think you're doing great, and then it comes down to, you know, the, the part where you're going to get married for a joint venture and that person says no to your proposal. Right. So it's like you only propose in public, like when you know they're going to say yes, kind of a thing. <laughs> so she's just not it. that into you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so another thing that we talked about, and this was one of my biggest pet peeves is, have you ever been added to a proposal without being asked by the prime? And 37% said yes. 27% said that they were unsure. And 36% people said no, which makes me think they're either really trusting people or they're okay with an arranged marriage and they're okay with whatever they get out of it. But um, it's something that's happening a lot and it's small doing it to large. It is large doing it to small. It is not one sided either way. Um, so again, that's like, telling people you're engaged, but never asking them if they want to marry you. <laughs> right. And that's like, that's not something you're going to do in real life. So it's like, don't do it when you come to teaming. So that was kind of the, the whole point of this presentation was to kind of point out some of these things and relate it into another way that would maybe hit them a little bit harder, make a little bit more sense to people that, because like when I talk to people, they're like, oh, I'm doing them a favor. They don't have to do any work and I'm just going to hand them work to you. But that may not be work with a client that I wanted to work with. Maybe that's in a region that I didn't want to work with. So, so many people were okay with doing it and acting like they were doing people a favor. And that was really frustrating to me. So that was one thing that we asked. Um, the other red flag we talked about was notifying teaming partners of the shortlist. 80% said yes. I, There's I no agree. chance. Not a chance, right? <laughs> no chance. I don't believe that for a hot second, first of all. <laughs> So we only had 18% say they only do it when they need them involved in an interview. And then 1% flat out said no. I don't believe the 80% of people that say yes. Because again, it happens both ways. Small business don't tell the large business. Large businesses don't tell the small business. It goes both ways. And, you know, this is a big pet peeve that struck with Jillian on our conversation when we were in Denver. I mean, we were, because I said, I've had this idea of my pet peeves. 
And I want to help small businesses and large businesses and everybody just to understand, like, there's some stuff you just, you got to stop doing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And well, so. I, yep. And, but we, chal- we challenged Stephanie on this one because I think we all yeah. have our own kind of view. And, you know, we were able to give, we were able to share our perspective. And in turn, Steph was able to kind of share her perspective as a large firm and how they're managing the release of information. So it was great perspective all around. But this was the, the topic du jour when we were putting all our heads together. Well, and I think, again, I go back to what... I have two comments here. One is you, your networks were the 150 people that responded to this. So maybe 80% of those people uh, are in, in, no, okay. Uh, uh, can't see that we're all shaking our heads. A left, right. Um, <laughs> people lied on this. I, I'm, the co- I'm from the cost estimating firm. If there's even a whiff of cost, uh, we do get the call. So um, I, I, I hear about stuff, I think a little bit more than others. No, I mean, it, it happens to us all the time. Like we want to be in the interview process or at least in the preparation for the interview because you know we want to be part of the win themes. But then on the flip side is if you're on seven teams, are you really able to, to help with that strategy? So I think this goes back to relationship and healthy communication and, and open and honesty. And I, like that, that is what besides uh, chocolate and wine, that's what I... Inside joke, they said that this is what kept coming up in their their presentation. I'll let Jillian comment on that, but um, it's it's all about communication and relationship and and honesty and trust inside of those those uh, two things. I'm going to harp on this one for a second, if I can, because this is this one was and is. I mean, it is a big um, continued pet peeve of mine because I am a specialty subconsultant. I am often on six or seven teams. And if at shortlist, I find out from, let's say, two of those teams that they were shortlisted. Maybe only one wants me to even be involved in any of the shortlist prep, but at least the other one has at least told me, we made it to shortlist. If we, you know, have any questions for you, we'll let you know. But, and then the other four don't even tell me, who do I want to work with next time? Who do I think already has a seat for me at the table? You know, so it's just um, it's those perceptions that I don't think the primes necessarily consider of how they communicate to the team members and even small. I mean, you know, my percentage of any pro- um, contract is going to be relatively small, but um, giving me a seat at the table obviously enhances trust. And, and I'll, I'll jump on too. Um I think my job is to get on all the teams and that's my directive. Um, and there was a gentleman who asked a question about, you know, how do you protect, how, how do you maintain sensitivity to all your teaming partners when that shortlist or even in that pursuit stage, all these conversations are happening. And, you know, we've, we've, we firewall information. We are very careful about what we disclose. But if you're, if you're asking me, if you keep me in the loop, you're getting the, you are getting tailored information. You are getting the best I possibly can give you. If you keep me out of that from pursuit stage to interview, you're not you're not going to get my fresh eyes or my team's fresh eyes on all of this and getting our input and our feedback. So engaging us is. I agree. Helpful. And our our ability, I'll, I'll speak on small business, our ability to tailor our technical approach or our technical experience or our project or our resume to the win theme of of the big. Even if it's the same content of the technical work, the the philosophies 
have to be aligned. And maybe I have a different person that I would put on that project because of the philosophy that's being discussed and their unique background to it. Um, so I, I think all of that is, again, I go back to uh, the relationship. So some relationships succeed, some relationships end in divorce, Steph. Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> when, where do we get to winning work together? So um, I still have a few more red flags. So we did, we asked people if they would like to be interviewed if they did our survey and we had an overwhelming response. And so some of the red flags that came up in our interviews was, you know, you use us to win the work, but then you never actually give us any work was one of the big pet peeves. Um, another one was not letting marketing people talk to each other. Okay, that's like setting up a date and then sending your mom on the date. You know, if there's like an executive or another BD person who's like, nope, everything is going to come through me. You're not going to talk to my marketing person. You're not even going to know who it is. All it does is create a whole bunch of miscommunication and usually and a lot more works. Yes. And a lot more work for the both marketing staff. Because I've been on both ends where they wouldn't let me talk. And the guy said, oh, you, they want the, these three resumes. It came back. They didn't need those three resumes. They needed three other ones with three completely different, you know, services. And so all it did was create more work for me. Um, but my favorite was when they're non-responsive during the proposal process. And the best quote was, it drives the marketing people crazy. And if they don't like you, you're not going to get far. And I have to say that is the most truest statement out of all the stuff that I read in the interviews. And, you know, from a large business perspective, if we had two smalls that could perform the same business, if I know that there's, you know, firm A has an amazing marketing staff, you know, they will get me, they will take my data call, they will listen and do all the directions, they will send me back everything at once, it'll be perfect, I can just dump it into my proposal. And then there's firm B who, I know I'm gonna have to have several phone calls, I know they're gonna miss every deadline of mine, I know they're still not gonna read my data call, and then I'm gonna have to call them back because they didn't put the year that they got their PE license, which is required in the RFP and those kinds of things. And in those conversations, I would always say, I wanna use firm A, and I never lost that battle when it came to teaming. Um, there wasn't anybody who ever would fight for that other marketing for that other firm because they know how proposal stressful they are and they didn't want to add more stress to me. So they were like, yep, go with that direction. And I think a lot of people don't understand that, um, that that's kind of maybe where they're losing some of their work from. That's a good point. Deadlines matter to the marketing department. So they want the responsive staff so that they're, they're going to be cooperative. So, but then Jillian talks about how you actually keep that relationship going. Inspiring People in Places is brought to you by MCFA. MCFA is a CVE-verified, service-disabled, veteran-owned small business. At MCFA, our why is to inspire people in places through project leadership. We provide planning, strategy, program management, and construction management support services to a wide variety of public and private sector clients. All right, Jillian, talk to us about, and, and full disclosure, Jillian and MCFA or Engage Federal and MCFA, Jillian and BJ, we do business together. We are a success story of teaming and meeting at Sammy uh, Small Business, I don't know, six years ago, um, maybe more. Uh, so Jillian, talk to us about what success looks like. Yeah. Well, actually, and I wanted to tap on, or add on to what Steph was saying, because one of the things that we didn't have time for in our session was when a firm might have to break up with a teaming partner. And so I wanted to quickly highlight that um, because we did ask you know, them to rank different options from one to six. 
um, overwhelmingly, obviously to me, the quality capacity or performance issues was number one. Um, but much more interesting talking about that communication and intelligence again, or emotional intelligence was poor communication was number two. Um, and relationship not being reciprocal was number three. So anyway, that gives you a little bit of an idea of if you are a small firm, persistence matters. As April was saying, the lead time to develop these relationships can be a year and a half, you know, um, and there are opportunities because they they do sometimes break up, <laughs> right? So anyway, that was something that I wanted to make sure we addressed. But yeah, now let's move to the more positive. So you're in a relationship and we wanted to ask about what makes the most positive impressions for continuing to grow that relationship. Um, most, the most positive impressions were based on um, personal follow-up, which is exactly what we're talking about here. And then acts of kindness. So, you know, BJ, the, the chocolate and wine is an act of <laughs> kindness in my mind. It's not a holiday gift. It's an act of kindness. So anyway, um, and then not surprisingly, the least positive items were actually corporate perks and holiday gifts because they're just not personal, really. So that was 61% of all the results. Um, but what I thought was interesting is that charitable contributions and community involvement actually were seen as more positive than those other types of gifts and perks, which I think is maybe a changing, um, you know, value statements of our workforce. They they care about those things more than maybe in the past. So that was something that was intriguing to me. Um, we did also, uh, this question was worded in a way that it was talking about investments. So we were really focusing on either time, which is money, or, you know, other things that you have to put money into. Um so some of the write-in answers, because we had other, you know, where people could just fill in whatever they, they felt they needed to share, um, was that, you know, by doing all of the things that we had offered, which was hosting happy hours and then the, um, you know, the corporate perks, the holiday gifts, the personal follow-up, all those things, they said all of that has some sort of a positive impression. So there was none of them that were terrible, obviously. Right. You know, if you're doing any of it, you're showing effort. So that was another thing. Um, I'll quickly, we had a question on uh, stuff we all get as far as what was most memorable. So swag, which is typically given out at these conferences, right? Um, and I'll just say that there was a huge theme about being practical or consumable. And the most common answer was none. They don't like it. They don't want it. They think it's all landfill trash, which was a very interesting thing. We, you know, just to have it be a free form answer, anyone could put in anything and to have none be the, the biggest one. Um, so anyway, if, if anybody in marketing or business development wants to, to ping us on what were the most <laughs> noted ones? So you've, you've heard it here first. I'm, I'm not bringing any swag to our next conference, Sammy Federal Small Business. I am going to do a business card drawing yes. for a $2,500 donation to the-, the Human uh, Fund? No, the the uh, <laughs> nonprofit of the of the winner's choice. That's I love right? it. I love and it. So what you just said—that's that's the new strategy. Well, exactly. And I think that yeah. that's you know what we talked about was that this swag needs to build relationship, or else it's yeah. junk, right? 
And so, um, so I know. mean, that's a good point. Everything that marketing historically was about was about brand awareness. But yes. at the end of the day, in the professional services world, it's not about brand awareness. It's about relationship building and communicating and you know consistency. Um, did anybody talk about in the pursuit phase or in the, I, I forget what phase we're calling this, but like we went from wooing to teaming to, to now talking about winning work. Um, Jillian, we've had some of this. We're probably not as consistent as I would like to be from a from a staying in touch or, or battle rhythm, if to steal an army term, is like the monthly check-ins or the bi-weekly check-ins to say, what are you chasing? What are you seeing? What am I chasing? What am I seeing? Hey, Jillian, what's your, what's your capacity right now? Uh, because I might be able to help sell you into an opportunity I have. Um, was there any discussion of that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So um, we asked about what are the best ways to maintain those types of relationships, right? So regularly scheduled meetings was the first thing, you know, regular conversations, regularly scheduled, intentional, and then lead sharing. So the, the big things that we took away from those types of responses were that you really should be intentional and thoughtful, you know, purposeful in those meetings as well. Um, so, and then we asked, how often should you be doing that? <laughs> and we thought this was interesting because we got responses of weekly, which really was like, who's got time for that? But um, once we looked at who, because we could dig into the results, it was actually a lot of executive uh, executive level people. So then we thought, okay, those are they're probably in a marriage already. They are those mentor proteges, and they should be meeting with their spouse, right? Right. Um, so. It was not a huge number, but we did look at those and kind of put them aside and say, those are probably mentor-protege relationships. Um, then when we dug down, monthly was 42% and quarterly was 42%. Wow. But when we, yeah. But when we looked at those, we found that the primes wanted to meet less often. So they were at quarterly where the subconsultants wanted to meet monthly. Hmm. And so we took that away as, you know, consider your audience when you're determining that battle rhythm, right? So yeah. if if I could give my quick analysis on that, we live, we small businesses don't have the next three years of backlog or the next three years of pursuits planned out, right? We're we're like in the knife fight day to day, like trying to, you know, do work, sell work, maintain relationships. And like, if we're lucky, we're in that monthly battle rhythm of like, oh, what am I pursuing in the next three to six months? What's coming out in the next three to 12 months? Whereas big businesses are are really planning out their investment and they know, they know their 17 must wins in 2023 in 2021. We're like, hey, what's coming out next week? Uh, anybody have any bread? Because I got to feed the family, you know, that. Crumbs, crumbs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I get, I get those battle rhythms are going to differ, but, I, and I want to wrap up with this. You have to meet as often as it takes to establish rapport and build a real relationship. Because quarterly, you know, I, I don't know if I was dating somebody and I got to like hang out with them quarterly, if I'm going to get anywhere, right? Like, oh, I forgot. 
your kid's name by the time I, I left the meeting, let alone that they played baseball and whatever else is important to you outside of, you know, the, the business relationship. And that's where, you know, the podcast is inspiring people in places. This is a people business, right? You're not, you're not getting work. Professional services comes down to people performing work and doing business together. And it's just not happening without the relationship. Um, so I, I want to wrap up with a a closing question to all of you because I think it's so important that different opinions t- come together and and that we continue to share and and, and uh, educate ourselves and and improve our industry. Talk to us about you know would you would you do this again? Would you put a panel together again? And and any lessons learned in in that process. Uh, for the people that are going to try and speak at Sammy Small Business next year or Jetsy in the spring. Well, I would love to work with these, uh, this team again. I had such a nice time and we learned a lot and it was fun kind of going to battle with them. So yeah, 100%. I, th- I think we talked about it, uh, how, to, how, to lose a, how to lose a partner in 10 days is our, is our, is our next <laughs> one. So. We're we're gonna stop quoting the rom coms. Uh, no, until, that's until well, that's fun. I'm, I'm done here. I'm done here. Here I go. Yeah, you just lost all of us, PJ. <laughs> um, but to wrap up, I I want to thank all of you. I I know how much work went into your survey and the preparation. Um, I think it's such an awesome product. Uh, we will hang the matchmaker make me a match winning partnerships. Uh, flyer from the small business conference. If you didn't get to see it uh, as a quick reference guide for everybody out there, uh, ladies, yeah. thank you for taking the time. And Jillian, you want to close us out? Well, I just wanted to say that that the flyer is a list of do's and don'ts. So it's from all of the input we received. It's from all of the interviews we performed and we kind of boiled it down to do's and don'ts for every firm, do's and don'ts for sub consultants and do's and don'ts for primes. So, you know, all of it won't be amazing revelations, but you might find a nugget in there. So that's, that would be great to have that available. Awesome. Ladies, thank you so much for joining the Inspiring People in Places podcast and for your work on this. Till next time, everybody, have a great week and a great weekend. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying this show, do us a favor and subscribe to Inspiring People in Places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants and all your friends and family in the AEC space. Be sure to visit our website, www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter to stay in touch with us and learn about all of the projects and clients we're helping. Last but not least, we are hiring. We are always hiring. Do us a favor. Take a look at what jobs we have open. Contact us through our website or connect with me on LinkedIn. Until next time, have a great rest of your week and a great weekend.